1: So we're back again with a couple of our car debates. You guys, of course, are writing in at TV at gmail with your car debates. And I have to admit, it is now an onslaught. It is a wave of what do you guys think I should do about my car so I, I will apologize now know that if you've written to us we have read it but also know that your percentage chances of getting on the show we apologize are are decreasing because you guys your guys are being awesome you're bombarding us with stuff we've got two tonight we've got Jesse writing to us in Texas for cars for he and his wife they are going to replace their entire garage I've done that well let's try that one <laughs> and then we've got Philip. Philip's interesting because Philip is writing like. from Sw- yeah exactly, exactly. I've done done that just the last six months so yeah let's talk about it (laughs) <laughs> it's only money, right? It's only yeah. Money. Exactly. Yay. So then we've also we've also got Philip writing from Switzerland, and I love that he's writing mainly because he's from Switzerland. I think that's funny. But this is directly to your heart, Paul. Directly to your cars you've owned or wanna own, because Philip is debating between Porsches. So I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you don't like Porsches, <coughs> they won't like the back half of the show. <laughs> but uh, but hey, I like that Philip wrote in anyway, and I love that you're listening from Switzerland. So thank you for that. We've got people all over the world, which is great. So please keep telling your friends. So we do have the those two car debates coming up.
0: That is cool. And yeah, we want to get to them. And hopefully, it's not one of those things where we, you know, by the time we get around to doing your car debate, you've already settled on something new. And yikes, you know, we recommend something and you say, oh, well, I already got this car. But, you know, we're, we're trying. So thank you. It's Doing it's, what we uh, can,
1: for sure. Absolutely.
0: Lots of stuff rolling in. And, you know, the, the whole car debate and taking my own medicine keeps rolling around in my head. And I mentioned to you, yep. I think yep. it was up at uh, Monterey, we're seeing all these cars mm-hmm. And you know all the exotics are awesome, and you think, how can I get into something fun, slightly exotic, sports car? You know all that, you yeah. know, fun driving stuff. And i I saw that I kept seeing the three hundred and sixty Modena, the Ferrari three hundred and sixty Modena's mm-hmm. around. And I thought, oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Huh. there were tons.
0: They're they're everywhere. You can't swing a dead cat. You they're just I think Certainly they not give in them Carmel. to you. Oh yeah, yeah, you're when right. When you move to Carmel, or maybe you just walk into Carmel, they hand you a coupon for a free Ferrari. I think. I don't know where we were. on what, one of those? What days, real? But.
1: What real estate costs there? They should be giving you a free free Ferrari. But anyway, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. keep going.
0: It's like they're party favors for thanks for attending our art gallery opening, and here's your party Seriously, favor on the way out. I guess. I,
1: here's here's your yearly tax bill, and yeah. therefore we will give you a Ferrari. Yes,
0: they just they're everywhere, and I thought, huh, three sixty. I wonder. You know, for a guy like me, I, I'm not – I've never been able to think about Ferrari money. And, no, no. You know, no. I'm thinking, all right, for those of us who can't afford Ferraris, but they've been around a long, you know, long enough mm-hmm. and they're plummeting in price. And they and sold I think, a lot of them. Hmm. Yeah, they've sold a lot of them. They're way yeah, up there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think the 308 still takes the cake as the most sold Ferrari ever, the, the most amount of copies built of that car. But yeah. the 360 has got to be up there because – Has to be. It was regarded as one of the first cars you could drive all the time, reliable. You didn't have to baby it as much. And honestly, I don't know the 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 maintenance requirements for that car. But then I think, uh oh, maintenance. It is still a Ferrari, Mm -hmm. so I think it doesn't matter. other people
1: other journalists have talked about this too i mean the fact that that the the 360 has come down into hmm should i get a ferrari money and you're right it was the first (laughs) kind of like daily driver ferrari i mean really debated as a daily driver ferrari and of course you know early f1 gearboxes in there i mean they did it first i guess in the 355 but the 360 it starts to get a little better but you know also but you can still get a manual in that car and and as as i will acknowledge as ferraris go 360s are cheap but you you bring up a great point. I mean, I think I think they have. They've kind of leaked their way down almost into your budget range, which is simultaneously amazing and frightening.
0: Yeah, ish. I mean, that's not like it's not a stretch. Believe me, it's still painful yeah. to think about. It's exciting to think, wow, I could actually afford that car. But it's also painful to think, yikes. I mean, wow, insurance and mm-hmm. all that stuff that comes along with it. Tires, and then suddenly, ah, you've got a Ferrari and all the, I don't know, it just – does that mean well, I it's yeah, have it's it's not the. I, mean, about it? I
1: hope not. We joke about it. We joke about it with the the M3s and the GTRs of the world. The price point is not the, the problem. Is not getting into the car. It's staying in the car. It's, I mean, you know, Doug Demuro bought one and, and documented this a lot. But mm-hmm. but I think I think your larger issue isn't could you get one. I think the larger issue is could you afford to run one. And that's the big problem with. I mean, you are. We've talked about it before with like Audi A8s and those kind of things that plummet. You know once you take that that car that you got a, you got for a song into the dealer suddenly you're get now getting a quarter million dollar car serviced and it's just yeah. going to be a raping I'm sorry, but it is
0: yeah so it's it's still still even though you think all right a sixty thousand dollar three sixty or a, one of my favorite sites yeah. here, and they are not paying me to say this, but it's NGMSL.com. <laughs> it's you and your sites. I, I'm latched onto this, and they've got a gorgeous one on here for $75,000. Mm. So still it's still yeah. up there. And I think I, my brain went two directions in noting these cars, as prevalent as they were and how the prices have plummeted. I've never been able to think of cars as an investment. I've never thought mm-hmm. of that. I've never thought of, you know what, I'm going to buy that on. I think I might make a few thousand on that or more. Sure, I've never sure. thought that. It's yeah. always been yeah. to drive it, I'll sell it for as much as I can, for as much as it's worth mm-hmm. You know, when it tom- comes time to sell it and just sure. drive it and enjoy it. But to think, oh, because I've heard people say the 360s are the next Ferrari to start going back up in value and start, you know, the real nice ones. Wow, they're starting to go back up. I haven't really seen that yet, but I think well, if that's the only reason you're buying, then that's gonna make the car sit in your garage. It means Yeah, you're gonna oh, be you're gonna to treat, yeah. yeah, treat it very differently.
1: Yeah. You're gonna treat it very differently. And that's not who you are it. as a driver. It's not who you are as an owner. And and here's the thing. No, I, I do no. think I do think the, the turning point that's gonna happen with Ferraris is gonna be connected not to the model but to the manual transmission. I mean I don't remember what it sold for, but there was that five seven five convertible manual that we saw at Gooding at, at Pebble. And that thing went for a lot of money. I want to say, I'm going to get it wrong. You have to look it up. But I think it was between five and six hundred grand for that car, which is more than it was new, I think. But the thing about it is, those th- There is a segment of the Ferrari buying population, we've met a few of these owners, who love those big front engine convertible Ferraris, the big mm-hmm. cruiser Ferraris that are convertibles yeah. that have a manual. And the problem is, you can't get them in manual anymore. So the minute I saw that at Gooding, I was like, this is gonna sell for far more than they ought originally bought it for. And I think that's gonna be the thing that's gonna make Ferraris go up for a while, is it's going to be the guys that want a manual transmission Ferrari with the gated shifter, that's gonna cause a spike, kind of like I think the air cooled 911s, which is the same. It, let's be honest, it's a it's a nichey thing where it's like they don't do them like this anymore, and that's why the air cooled 911s are ridiculous right now. Yeah, I they think are. the manual Ferraris will go up the same way. But you're right. Do you want to buy a car because you're speculating, or do you want to buy a car because you want to drive it? And I know you. You want to buy it drive it and hopefully not lose a ton of money on it but just buy it drive it enjoy it and your so your concern is much more can i get into it can i afford to maintain it and the ferrari 360 is i think frighteningly attractive but frightening is the key word there
0: i yeah that's the thing and that's why i keep coming back to porsches for the the daily use of them and for the robustness and okay yes service does cost but it's not a Ferrari Definitely. let me tell you that yeah. you know and that's why it's still yeah. that nice balance I think that's why people are still attracted to them even though you're mm. right the the prices are increasing and they I'm looking at the prices here on Ferraris they already are there's a '98 355 GTS it's a year mm. Uh, mm. just a year older than this '99 Ferrari 360 so it's the last of the 355s. They're asking 180 for sure. grand for this thing, and it's a wow. manual that, transmission.
1: Yeah. Well, that does what? suggest, though. Yeah. I that's feel crazy. like it's that already happening. That does suggest, though, that that 360 is is kind of queued up for for that turnaround. Yeah. So um, therefore, that's and I, the question. I do. I think.
0: Do you buy for your enthusiast vein because you love cars and you love driving it? And I'd rather see a Ferrari with some rock chips and dirt on it. Means you've been enjoying mm, it. Mm. Or is it the garage queen and blah, 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 and, and, oh, it'll be an investment one day. Well, you're paying insurance Maybe. and tires and gas, yeah. and you can't really enjoy yeah. it. It just sits there.
1: Yay. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of creating my own thought here, but, but I almost feel like it's the difference between old and classic. And what I mean by that is I think if you got in a 360 Ferrari right now with the F1 gearbox, the gearbox would feel a little bit old. It would feel old because, of course, paddle shifters have just moved on. Because they've gotten so much
0: better. They've improved so much. Exactly,
1: exactly. But if you got in a 360 Modena with the six speed, I think it would feel classic. It would feel awesome. You'd feel Mm -hmm. connected. But I think the the paddle shift, you'd feel like, this car, yeah, I can see it's a little bit old. It's that whole, as you tie cars to technology, then they become much, we've talked about this before, they become much more like your cell phone in that five years from now, you're like, oh, you remember when we had one of those? (laughs) Wow, look at how old that looks now. You know, it's the Commodore 64 of cars.
0: (laughs) I don't think I was ever expecting those words to appear on this podcast, but that's pretty good.
1: Um, New from Ferrari, the Commodore 64, moving the 64 on. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, the Commodore 64 Ferraris. Yeah. I have to be honest. The 360 is very tempting. I, I, but I think it's, knowing how you use a car, I think it's wrong for you. But it is it has entered that that area for, I would say, that enthusiasts, where, where it goes from a dream car to an aspirational car. That's the price point, I think, that that Ferrari has entered for a lot of enthusiasts. And I don't know that you know it's it's a bad choice across the board. I don't think it's right for you, but I, I think depending think so upon either. how you want to use it, it, yeah. it could be interesting. It, it, it is it's in that it's in that intriguing place. I'm sure people will chime in with their thoughts on whether or not you should get a 360. but I, I love that you bump, bumped into them when we started talking about it, especially since it was Ferrari Palooza. At pebble this year and it I mean, always it was is just insane
0: it, it always yeah. is but and then i think I, I have not done my research on the maintenance so i i cannot say because yeah. i'm not actually considering one but i think there's still for maintenance i think there's still engine out on these things and i just go ah, wow you know just mm. from a maintenance bill and you kind of have to take it to a ferrari dealer unless you know you know you're in a larger city and they've got the independent ferrari mechanics that you've that you can choose but you kind of have to Are there independent Ferrari mechanics? Does oh, that happen? Sure. They're fewer and far between but sure. Absolutely yeah. with any car manufacturer. Absolutely it's. Yeah, I mean
1: I know they, I know Porsche know, a lot of the German brands but I just yeah. I wonder if there's even enough volume to support an independent Ferrari mechanic. Maybe I'm maybe in, I'm missing in something larger sure cities, somebody
0: in larger cities yeah,
1: definitely. But Somebody's going to write yeah. to me right now because they run that uh, they run that <laughs> shop and yeah, they like, run it well and they're going to beat me up the one side and down the other for. It. But anyway, yeah, yeah great that great seems clientele. like a talk yeah. about a niche. Yeah, probably. Probably for, hey, if you can find an independent uh, guy to service. I mean, we just did that with our Cayenne. Found a great independent service guy, not the dealer, to service our Cayenne recently. We'll be talking about that on our long-term ownership stuff. That is the way to go. If you can do that, that is absolutely the way to go. So let's do a car debate,
0: shall we? I suppose we should. I, Yeah, so that thought happened, and I guess we have to... You know, kill that once again. It always comes up like Ferrari. No, die, die, die. Well, die. How, but but how, how can it not though? I mean that that is the enthusiast reality. <laughs> I mean, it it is
1: one of those brands. It's one of those brands. I think that as an enthusiast, you you are always sniffing around it, and yeah. when it gets to a place where it's close enough for you to really have a serious conversation, you have to consider it. I just don't think it's right for you. I, yeah, that's, that's I just I,
0: don't think either. All right, here we go. Car so. debate number one. This is for Jesse yeah. in Texas and. Jesse, I have been mulling your email for the past hour. Here, I've been thinking about this. <laughs> I've been reading what your your um, your requirements are here, and I'm I'm trying to whittle my thoughts down so it doesn't seem quite so random. But you've got a lot mm. of options, and I think a lot more than you think. Yeah, and yeah. I love this. He, he he writes in Jesse writes to us and says, "Love the podcast and the videos. Thank you, Jesse, so much." And he guess we are entertaining him when he's mowing a lawn. By the way, have you heard of that uh, that Honda mean mower? The hundred and sixteen mile an hour? Yeah, the goodness world record setting Honda when mower. When you
1: when you really want to mow your lawn super fast, you could be mowing Honda it mows at
0: 15 you. miles an hour. You could like really get it done. Then well that's an interesting lawn mow. Alright, I digress. Anyway, yes. Um <laughs> so Jesse writes to us and says both of his uh both he and his wife, they've got these cars that are up around Mm -hmm. 100,000 miles each, both needing new tires by winter. And he lives in Texas. Does it snow in Texas?
1: Yeah. Well, rarely. Here's the the thing. It snows in Texas. it, it does ice. Here's the thing. Once a year in Dallas, what you would end up ha- having happen, the last couple of years has been a couple of times. But once a year in Dallas, you end up having, like, the grand ice storm, and the city screeches to a halt. I mean, there's almost no point in winter tires in a place like Dallas only because, I mean, look, That's once it I gets below thinking. 50 degrees, winter tires are helpful. But here's the thing. the He's probably not talking winter tires. He's probably just talking all seasons that he runs oh, all year no. long. New tires by not,
0: winter.
1: Exactly. Okay. New tires okay. by right. winter, I but I don't that. think he needs new winter tires because, yeah. Right. Here's the thing. That. The minute that it freezes over in a city in Texas, the city just stops. School is called. Work is called. Nobody <laughs> goes anywhere because here's the thing. I mean, I grew up in Houston. It was the same thing there because there, there are no there's no infrastructure to deal with it. But on the other end of the spectrum, and you and I used to laugh about this, the other end of the spectrum – Texas gets deluged by water when they get big storms. And I remember driving Mm. at high speeds down the freeway in Houston during a torrential downpour, and there were no puddles because they're going to get rain. They figured that out. But yet, <laughs> oh my any any of those freeways would have crumbled at the slightest little earthquake. Conversely, Los Angeles, all those freeways will survive an earthquake theoretically. But yet, there's standing water if it starts spitting any kind of rain. So you you've planned for what you what you get, and Texas doesn't get enough snow to worry about it. So okay. I'm sure he's talking all season okay, tires, so but he's talking about higher. Winter. Higher mileage cars starting to need service, starting to need tires, so they're thinking okay let 's look around they 've got about a sixty thousand dollar budget for two cars now they can allocate that any way they want, so it could be a twenty thousand and a forty thousand I mean, help us with math here. you can do a lot of a lot of things there
0: well, this is funny because his sense is I think we should replace both cars and skip the expense of the new tires and how how might that conversation go honey yeah we've got this. We need new tires on both the cars. I was thinking about spending more money, actually, and just buying the new cars. What do you think? <laughs> okay, dear. Whatever you say. These sure. these tires
1: are done, honey. I'm going to go get us a new car. <laughs> wait, here. wait, what now? Well, yeah, I huh?
0: So however, I, I, I got I a laugh out of that, Jesse. That was really funny. So but I'm going you. to
1: applaud Jesse's car enthusiast logic though because you know honey, we could spend money on these cars <laughs> or we could just go get new cars. The I actually do like that Jesse car. you and I you and I could have a beer
0: time for yeah, a new car. I think that's great. Wait so what? yeah, so
1: sixty grand for two cars they currently have a uh, e-class Mercedes and a Volvo S60 that his wife drives. His wife would like something a little more prestigious and a little more fun. And Jesse is looking for, he has the main big family sedan that does the family hauling duties, so that's why he has this E500 Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. He would like to have something newer but more fun that can still handle those duties and get his wife into something that is genuinely more fun and could be smaller and more kind of prestigious and look at my cool car than her current S60. So we got 60 grand to spend. This is an interesting group because I could rabbit trail my thoughts one direction and, like, chase the perfect car for her, but then I have to balance that with him. I, I Where where did you wind up here? You say you've got a bunch of stuff going on. I've got on.
0: a bunch of stuff, and it's kind of all over the map like you. But, Jesse, I did notice something that you mentioned you use – it would be your car that would be sort of the family trip car, but also mm-hmm, you want a mm-hmm. manual transmission, And your wife wants an automatic. So that tells me if you guys do go on a road trip, that means you are going to be doing all the driving because your car will Mm -hmm. be bigger and it will be the manual transmission. So just prepare yourself for that. I think you probably are aware of that, but just prepare yourself. And I'm trying to balance that. But I thought, all right, 60 grand, And I'm guessing that's based on what you think you can get for both cars if you sold them right now. Right. All right.
1: Selling them both, and whatever budget they're bringing to the table, they got sixty grand to work with. Yep. So here's the
0: deal. Uh, Jesse commutes uh, approximately six thousand miles a year. His wife is at about Mm -hmm. five thousand miles a year, which made me realize low low mileage. Yeah. You guys are perfect candidates for leasing. Take that sixty grand and Hmm. invest it. Interesting point. If you can do the cash flow, and either lease two new cars or buy one car with, you know, half the cash, invest the other or squirrel it away for whatever your daughter's education or whatever that is and lease something for your wife or lease something for you. You're perfect mm, candidates for leasing. Not Maybe not both cars, but maybe one of them, because you're driving so. The little. mileage is
1: certainly low enough. Yeah, that's and an issue. So that point. led I me thought about that. That
0: that led me in a different way. It, it changed my thinking because first I was trying to chop that up. How do you budget? Okay, is it twenty thousand for mm-hmm. for Jesse, mm-hmm. forty thousand for his wife? How do we divvy this up? And then how do you look for the car? But wait a minute, why don't we lease something? Why don't Why don't you get your wife a BMW 228i? It's a little bit more luxurious. It's brand new. She's a perfect Mm -hmm. candidate for leasing. It's sporty, automatic, a lot of fun. It'd be a head-turning car, and I could definitely see her if she, you know, wanting something slightly smaller, sportier, fun, you know, it's a luxury brand. How about a 228i in the automatic? Interesting. And then, okay, so that's leased, but that gives you a little bit of budget, 30,000, 40,000 to work with, to maybe go Mm -hmm. pay cash for something that could be something like a Cadillac ATS, Hmm. like a manual. Or a Chevy SS manual. Get one of those with the magnet magnetic ride, and that's yeah, funny. Big, that's the top car. of my list for him. Is it really
1: top of my list for Jesse? The is manual? the Chevy SS with the manual? I think that's because he he brought up. Hey, should I get an E ninety E ninety M three or just right, an E ninety right. Beamer in general? And and Jesse, yes, that's a very good candidate. And I don't know. I mean, you've got you've got a German car right now. I don't know if you want to definitely stay German. The E ninety is absolutely worth it. It's a great candidate here. I'm glad you brought it up. But you've got to drive that Chevy SS. I mean, it's manual cool. transmission. Yeah. It's honestly, I mean, the the joke. The joke was, and I say it's a joke. It wasn't intended to be a joke. The the marketing line on the Chevy SS was, "We've made a four door Corvette." Not really. Not really. However, <laughs> however, it's genuinely powerful. And once you get the six speed of magnetic ride, I mean, those are the things we didn't have on our version. And I very much felt like. With those two things added, it would be game over for most of the rest of the competition. It is not a four-door Corvette, but it is a car that is genuinely surprising. I wish it looked better. I just wish it looked more interesting. The the harder you drive it and the tighter the road gets, and in Texas you may not find that, but the harder you drive it and the tighter the road gets, the better it gets, the more surprising it becomes. And yet it is a full-size car with a good-size trunk you would enjoy it on a road trip, and you would love it on a back road. I think the Chevy SS, that's almost a sniper shot for me. I think it's way up there.
0: Well, it's funny, because I was thinking about that, and I was just trying to think of cars with that magnetic ride control or suspension that you can change Mm. electromagnetically. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the ATS and the Chevy SS are both at the top of that list for something that is still a road trip car, still fun. You can still you know, pack people in that. And you can get both of those cars with manual transmission, and that, Jesse, that magnetic ride control is going to play with your head. If you have not experienced this, you're going yeah, to just – it's going to shock you how transformative that is to your driving experience. You're going to think, uh, ah, it's just sort of a mushy sedan, and then you activate it, and it's a different mm-hmm. car. It's – well, I mean, Quite shocking, it's, it's, one
1: of those, it's one of those ringer technologies that GM has in its back pocket. I mean, that's why they have yeah. licensed it for, to Ferrari and other places. I mean, the crazy thing is every time GM takes a decent chassis and puts that magnetic ride control on it, it becomes a class leader in handling. It may mm-hmm. not be the best, mm-hmm. but it's up there genuinely competing with the best in <laughs> class in handling. Now, like the ATS, you know, we talked about it with the the three series Comparo a while back. It w- didn't compete in powertrain with the Beamer. It didn't compete no. in you know luxury feel with the Beamer. But on a back road, it just flat out won. It was the handling king of that group entirely because of that uh, that magnetic ride control. And again, you go to Chevy SS, which has got more power. I think as a, I personally like it a little better than the ATS. It is a bigger car, so you get it's that a family car. usability. Yeah. Um, But man, get a six-speed in that in the magnetic ride. I'm telling you, man, that's got to be driven. I think the other one you've got to bring up though, if you go that route, is the E39, the old version M5. Now that's going to be probably older than the Mercedes you're getting rid of. But I love the look of those cars, and it is let's be honest,
0: the 10-15
1: year older version of the SS. If you want to stay German, that's a cool car, an interesting car. So I mean, I, you're gonna have to worry about mileage and how, what's the situation, but I think it's well, in your budget. And it could be really cool.
0: That's that's a great idea. You know that I like that because uh, he's not he Jesse's a work from home kind of guy and and uh, mm-hmm. so he's not going you know putting that kind of mileage on the cars and yeah even though it could easily take that kind of mileage, but yeah, you could find a nice one for the twenty five ish thirty thousand mm-hmm. range. You mm-hmm. could be in yeah, a yeah, yeah. really really low mileage nice. Say a two thousand three example, it'd be yeah, the same year of the Mercedes that you have now, but it'd be a yeah. different car. It's a it's an entirely Very different car.
1: car and find e, a e class, find one that's really. got, you know, 60,000 miles on it. Oh, I bet you could and, go you lower it that putting, for that
0: price. You could find Maybe nice but if
1: you're putting, example. you know, five to six thousand miles a year on it, Jesse, I mean you're gonna have it for a while and it's still mm-hmm. gonna be fairly low in mileage. I mean, I I can't speak to the reliability of those, but I think Frankly, I would actually trust it more than a modern uh, BMW because it's just it's simpler. It's much more analog, Yeah. and I think the E39 would be interesting. It's obviously the older school version of the Chevy SS recipe, Um, but I think you got to look at that as well. That car
0: gets rave reviews. You know, the longer you and I talk about this, the longer I like, the more I like this because, Jesse, you know, I I was initially thinking, all right, divide that, you know, the sixty grand up, divide it into two cars. I was thinking about, you know, Audi A4s, and I was thinking, okay, Jesse's a Mercedes guy. How about a new CLA 250, a little bit smaller, nimble, turbocharged? Maybe, but then I thought, no, you need something that's going to be really transformative and fun, and it's the cars that we're talking Mm -hmm. about. I like, even if, you know, say you paid cash for one of these, go the, you know, that even that Chevy SS, I don't know that they're Mm -hmm. selling that well, and you could probably find a good deal. 40-ish? They are not
1: selling well. They are not grand? selling well. If with forty in your pocket, you could get one. There and, and there's people and, we, and they ride into the show every now and then. There's people that are talking about getting out the door for like thirty six, which is, which is you know, brand new Subaru Subaru STI money. You know, because oh they've got gosh. incentives and they can't move them very well. I mean, <laughs> Paul, honestly, those at Chevy SS Chevy is selling thousands a year. I mean, it, they, are, they are not a sales success. So it's, it's like the unsung car. I mean, here's, here's the tragedy of GM right now. And I'm not saying this is a GM fanboy. I, I think it's really interesting that GM has got a, a, a kind of a dichotomy going on. The, this is true of the and It's true of that Chevy SS. They've got some amazing cars in a lot of different classes, none of which are selling well. Mm-hmm. And the SS is in that category. And I think mm-hmm. it's frankly, I think one of the biggest Achilles heels is the fact that it just looks boring. You know i mean yeah it's just not interesting to look at it It doesn't you're not here's let me put it another way if you put a we just had that uh, charger hellcat piece we just dropped okay and i actually just today was on the freeway and saw a charger hellcat like a half mile in front of me and could tell from a half mile away that's what that's what it was ended up passing it. it just looks great on the road i bet you if you put a Charger Hellcat up on a pedestal outside a dealership, people are going to turn their heads. You put the Chevy SS on that same pedestal, nobody's <laughs> going to care.
0: People will think it's a Malibu, unfortunately. People and like, oh, and well, honestly, whatever.
1: I would rather drive the SS. Mm-hmm. The Hellcat was a laugh. I would rather drive and own the SS. It was more of a driver's yet, car. Yeah. But yet nobody's going to notice it. That's, that's its problem. That's its real Achilles heel. So anyway, but I think you gotta look at that. I'm, I'm, I'm banging on it a lot, but I think you gotta look at it.
0: Yeah, uh, this is why I think, you know, think of that that nut, think of that a little bit differently and try to see, you know, I don't know your finances, obviously, and I don't know, you know, how you like to budget that, that kind of stuff, but think about that a little bit differently and see if you can get your wife into something brand new. And I say that just because of technology. If she's commuting, even mm, if it's 15 mm. miles, you know, short commute. I say get her into something that is, you know, latest technology, Bluetooth, everything, so she feels like she's taken care of from a tech standpoint, connectivity, hands-free, sure. everything. Okay. Whereas you, Jesse, what are you I, thinking of for her? Well, I was thinking about that 228i, something brand new, lease it. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, something yeah. like that that's fun, sporty, but it's it's up to date with everything, and yeah. it's lease yeah. because would be cool. you know you had uh, Jesse had mentioned the Z4 coupe from 2010. Yeah, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe, but, you know, for a used BMW, yeah, we just obviously suggested one, but that's more of a bulletproof car than the, you know, mid-2000s cars, I think. And so for, Mm -hmm. you know, from a maintenance standpoint, you get something leased, it's brand new, you know, she likes it for a couple years and gets to try it out, wonderful, and maintenance, all that kind of stuff is now... Um, you know, it's moot. You don't have to worry about that yeah, kind of stuff. You don't stuff. have to think about it at all. For That's a good you point. working from home, you're gonna jump in that car. You're gonna be doing, you know, pick the kids up from school and and um, you know transportation duties, things like that. And then on a road yeah, trip, yeah. you guys are together, so you could get more of a muscle. You know, might might not have all the latest tech, whatever. Where that mm-hmm. way, she's taking yeah, care. Yeah, can go of, older. I see that. You know, see that. he can go older, a little bit more muscle car fun, something. You know, obviously not that. uh not that a Chevy SS wouldn't be, but um, you no. know, that way, like I said. It's
1: going to do that double duty better, yeah.
0: I, I just well, you know, it, I think that you could interesting to break you this brought up, up differently. That's why.
1: Yeah, interesting you brought up the, the 2 Series for for his wife, because I do like that. And, of course, we've talked about the 228. Uh, and we have mentioned before that it had the DCT. It does not have the DCT. It has the 8-speed ZF with paddles, by the way. But right, anyway, the right. the the uh, the 228 is, is a great car, and I think that is a really good uh, idea. When you mentioned, though, you mentioned the Z4 for her, that got me thinking along another couple of lines, and that is you, you want to embrace an interesting brand and something small. So I thought, especially now that you're bringing up the lease point, Paul, what about a MINI? You yeah, know they're interesting. Yeah, okay. I don't know what is. I don't. Know, I don't know if she would like it, <laughs> but I mean it's a long way from a Volvo. They are chuckable and fun. I mean those are just cars with character. So if you, especially if you got a new Mini or at least a new Mini, then you have that fifty thousand mile all maintenance everything included thing. You have to worry that's about true. is this car that's reliable? True. It's just going to be solved because that's the thing about Minis. Some of the older Minis. Some people have a real problem with them being money pits. But if you've got a brand new one, and it's under that 50,000 mile thing, who cares? It's going to be great. Right, you know. Right. And there's a reason that they have a 50,000 mile all-in warranty, because nothing's going to go wrong. I mean, somebody has run these numbers, folks. There's not, they're not just offering that out of the goodness of their right. heart. So arbitrary. clearly, that car is going to run well. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> the Mini's an option. But along those same lines, I thought about, you know what? What about the current SLK Merc? Or what about uh, an, an Audi
0: TT? I thought of the TT as well. I, I was initially thinking used, but if we're talking leasing, any of those would be great. Mm-hmm. They're smaller. Yeah. And I actually like that better than many, because she's asking for something with some prestige. And that's why I'm trying to I think something yeah. a little bit nicer, yeah. a little bit more luxurious than the Volvo brand is, mm-hmm. a little more upmarket, but still smaller. So what does that leave us with? Yeah. yeah. Something from Porsche, something from you know BMW, Mercedes, all their smaller offerings.
1: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I thought that mm-hmm.
0: 228 could be great, but I like the TT as well. I say, you know, have her go drive a few things. I l- yeah. I still come back to that 228 because it's going to be less money than a TT or less money than an SLK, honestly.
1: Well, you know what? For that matter, A3. Yeah, that could work too. Look, the A3 is not an enthusiast hooner car, but it is a great little entry-level German runabout. It's a great little car in that regard. And it has nice prestige. It's a pretty good-looking car. Mm -hmm. I think the A3's got to be looked at. I mean, I think the TT is better-looking. If I was going to go prestige and good-looking, I would go TT before I'd go A3. But TTs are more expensive. So it's going to have to be a a go-drive a few things. But I hope you guys will go drive all of these, Jesse, and you'll tell us where you wind up, because we're throwing out a lot of options other than (laughs) where you started. So hopefully something in there resonates with you.
0: Yeah, we're not saying don't. Go after the E ninety sedan or something like that, and you know no, he no. suggested no, no, this, no, no, no. you know the sport wagon manual transmission. But hopefully you're going to consider these other options because again, mm-hmm. spend it differently, break up that that chunk differently, and see what you could do with it. Hopefully that gets you thinking a lot. And uh, in the meantime, yeah. we'll keep jumping to car debate number two, which uh, now we get to switch to switch to Porsches. Um, all, yeah. All Porsche all the time for Philip in
1: Switzerland. This is great. Uh, but he's got an interesting question. I mean, he's 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 looking at he has the ability to buy himself a fun car, and he wants to buy essentially a great driver's car. He wants to step into an ultimate driver's car. He's got his eye on Porsche. So we're gonna just stay in Porsche land for Philip. And I know that's gonna be very hard for you, Paul. You're you're being stressed. But his his two yeah, big his big debate here is the same kind of Cayman you had, so the nine eight seven Cayman S or The same gen, the 997 Carrera 911. Mm. Okay, so we're talking about the generations before the current generations of Cayman versus 911. He's going, which is the better car as a driver's car? Which one would I enjoy more? Which is really interesting. I feel like there's some personal preference in here, but I do want to speak on this a bit. So where should we go Mm. with Philip?
0: Philip, love the question. I I am, uh, I kind of feel like, you know, that whole. car guy commentary. You're not a real car person until you own an Alfa Romeo. I think you need Mm. to own a mid-engine car, not just Caymans or, you know, something like that. But I think a mid-engine car is is something you've got to feel the dynamics. And that Cayman S, that video that you've been watching a hundred times, Philip, that was my car. We enjoyed that thoroughly. And uh, I kind of miss it, actually, now that we're talking about it. So both of these cars, the nine eight seven nine nine seven, they are the point one generation. They they are both the two thousand six two thousand eight point one generations, and mm-hmm. we've driven both of these cars extensively, as you know. And um, yeah, I, it, it's an easy choice to say, yeah, get the nine eleven. It's an awesome car. It's great. Yeah, but the Cayman is, I feel, it's something special from a driving standpoint. And you know, I didn't own it for the snobbery of owning. A nine eleven, you know, it just seemed like everybody in LA owns a nine eleven for the wrong reasons because of the oh, there are a lot of that Yeah, that there's predicts. a lot of that. You're right. You're the right. Cayman, I didn't feel garnered as many looks, and I was fine with that because this is definitely mm-hmm. a driver's mm-hmm. kind of car. I I would definitely say if you can explore them back to back on the same day because then you'll get the that would be great. very much that back to back dynamics. Mm-hmm. You've heard us say mm-hmm. this all the time. Take a Saturday, take a day just to drive them back-to-back, and you'll feel the dynamics of the mid-engine versus the rear-engine cars. I'm going to vote hard for this 987 for the Cayman. We've driven both, Mm -hmm. like I said, but I I like the dynamics of that car. I like what it taught me being a driver and knowing that Mm, when I leaned over and switched the traction control off that it required more of me at that point. And I didn't do that all the time. I didn't always drive yeah. that car and yeah. turn the tracking control off everywhere I went. I didn't. Many times mm. I left it on because, you know what, I wasn't on a racetrack and I just I don't need to try a ding a light pole or something. I don't have anything to prove. I just wanted to have some fun. But then when I did turn it off, it heightened my awareness of everything and thought, "All mm. right, interesting point. Now I'm I'm really paying attention. I, my mind is clear of distractions and life." And this is about the car and feeling that dynamic and feeling what they've created here. It's such a raw, creative driving feel that this is why I'm recommending this car for you.
1: Interesting, it is actually. You know what? I'm gonna agree with you, but for some different reasons. And yes, that's right. I did say it. I'm going to agree with wow. Paul. But anyway, the uh, the, the thing this is, is the, the, the nine the 99 yeah the 997 Carrera that not, that version of the 911 is one of my favorites. That is a great generation I of the it. 911. I'm you not. Really like that. I'm not a nine. I'm not a 911 guy, but that is one I would seriously consider. You know, if if you're a person's like, well, I want to own a 911 in my lifetime, those are affordable and they're good and they run and they're reliable yeah, and right. I like the looks of them. I agree with you on all of those things, Philip. But if we're talking drivers' cars, I've got to side with Paul here. The Cayman S, and it's partially it's it's twofold. It is that mid-engine feel. But here's the thing, mid-engine mid-engine cars are, I mean, look, the 911 is notoriously, you know, bad for you to get the tail out too far and it won't come back obviously cuz it's a rear engine, but mid-engine has has a moment of inertia that is very unique and if you lose it, you may not get it back. Mm-hmm. Having said that, you take an Elise versus a Cayman, you're much more likely to get in trouble in an Elise than you are in a Cayman. For a mid-engine car, it is surprisingly docile. It's surprisingly approachable near the edge and it can teach you. So you get into kind You're of the perfect dynamic. You're talking about the Lotus dynamic. at that point? No, I'm talking Lotus. about the Cayman. The oh, Cayman okay. is approachable yeah. at the edge, and yeah. it can teach you. The Elise, when you get it wrong, good luck getting it back. Yeah. That's the thing about yeah. it. Uh, we, we watched one year. We were at a Journalist Drive event for Motor Press Guild, oh, and my I think four different yeah. four different journalists spun the Lotus Elise in the same day. One of them spun it right in front of me, and I saw it going. I saw the Did pieces coming together. It was like... Oh, I, I was in the. That, that year, I was in an Evo X, which, of course, is, you know, ridiculously easy to drive fast and laugh about. But I was in an Evo X behind. It was a maroon. It was the S. It I was do the, the Supercharged. That. It was the first release of the Supercharged. It was like oh eight oh nine, Supercharged maroon Elise that I drove a couple times that day and just cackled and loved it. But if we were coming around a huge hairpin. It's that thing you and I joke about as the e Ian Corner. Uh-huh, so it yeah. was a huge hairpin. And halfway through, I was watching the dynamics of the Lotus in front of me and I thought, He's going to lose that i think he's going to lose that and then right about that time yep there he went spinning off the track and i went right around him in the in the i mean as he spun clear here i went in the evo x right past him but he was like one of four journalists that day so the, the point being mid engines can do that to you if you don't get it right but the elise is one of those where it's like i'm warning you i'm warning you i'm warning you and then smack and there it goes the Cayman is going to warn you, but help you as well. And I think there's a there's a unique driving experience available there. Plus, it's a lighter car than the than the 911, and it is much more the driver's focused enthusiast car than the 911. As as Paul said, there's you know people buy 911s for all kinds of reasons. Some of them buy them because they're great cars.
0: Yes, many they of do. them
1: buy them for other reasons. The the joke yeah. the joke in L.A. was I don't know if you ever saw this, Paul, but. One of the ridiculous jokes in LA, if you ever went to a film studio in LA, there were essentially three cars in the parking lot. You had a three (laughs) series. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and when you started, when you started on the studio lot and you had a nice studio job, you got yourself a three series. That was that was the starting car. Oh, When funny. you graduated to be more of a well-paid producer, you got into one of two cars, depending upon your lifestyle. It was either the silver or black nine eleven, or the silver or black Range Rover. These are your of options. Of course.
0: Oh my gosh! So
1: it was hysterical to drive through a parking lot at a film studio and be like. Hmm. Okay. Intern. 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 Low-level person in that. Actually, they've got the 335. They're a low-level person. Oh, look. Here's the 911. Oh, look. Here's the 911 Turbo. <laughs> you That's can a tell where with people some money. are in
0: their career by virtue of the car yeah, they drive. R- ridiculous. That's Those really
1: were kind of the three awful. cars you saw like crazy. That's I mean, obviously variation, awful. but it was kind of kind of absurd. And there was actually a movie that I worked on a while back that that they had a scene that was this nod to this in the middle of the scene. It's a whole people in cars talking scene, and and they actually took the time to shoot. All the cars out of the windows are either nine elevens or Range Rovers. Oh, and it was an insider Hollywood movie. A movie was about like inside things in Hollywood. And it didn't even make a point about, hey, have you noticed the joke? But it was hysterical because I don't the wide shots or any the shots out of the cars. Everybody else in the entire movie was driving a nine eleven or a Range Rover. And I was like, That's exactly right. That's how it happens. Anyway, I'm off I'm off book at this point. But Philip you can't go wrong with either one. I know that sounds stupid to say. Hey, we like Porsches, oh, but yeah. I mean they are good cars. You are going to enjoy them. But I would, I am with Paul. I think Cayman S nine eight seven. Use your forty grand that way. I don't even know that you are going to need to spend forty grand to get one. Oh, And yeah, drive I it don't for a couple either. of years and really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I I love the points you are making, and you know, Philip, I feel like the nine eight seven is a car that you buy for you. You don't care what anybody else thinks. You buy it for you, for the dynamics, for what you know you are going to learn, all those things. A 911, the 997, you buy it because there is a bit of flash involved. There is a bit of, oh, you have friends, you know, you got a Porsche. Yeah, and sure. not everybody's familiar with the game. They go, well, what? And you say, oh, it's kind of like the mm-hmm. hardtop Boxster, but it's got different engine, different underpinnings. Well, same engine, but you know what I mean. It's tuned a little bit differently. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. A little mm-hmm. bit more
0: power. And they go, oh, okay, whatever. But you know the reasons you bought it for. The 911 is is a bit of flash. and. You know, everybody listening, you know, you and Todd and I, we know why we would buy a 911. It's for the driving fun, for the driving enthusiasts. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that that element exists with the 911, and it's hard to get away from when you say, no, no, I got it for the build quality, the engineering, sure. and the driving dynamics. And they say, sure, you just wanted to show everybody you can afford a 911. Like, no, no, that's not sure, the reason. Sure, fair point. Well, the and, and Philip, I'm going to say this to you. you.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. I, th- I mean, it is a it is a driver-focused car. And I, I will say this to you as well, Philip. I don't know how you, you intend to use this car, but I would say this to you. If you get a Cayman S, figure out some track time and find yourself some great roads. You're in Switzerland, for God's sake. So there's got to be some great roads. Please be careful in the of, next country of guard... Over. Please, please be careful of guardrails and extreme drops. However, yes. um, but but uh, but take the opportunity, if you get a Cayman, to actually go somewhere on a track and actually drive that car hard and explore the edges of it. Because I think that's the thing that will make you a better driver and yeah, make you definitely. thrilled you own one. If you are going to use it as a cruising mobile, then I think it becomes much more of a 50-50 conversation. If you're looking to learn and to drive hard, I'm going to say Cayman all day long.
0: Awesome. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. We appreciate it. We love to debate your car, and we're getting to it. Hopefully, before you've decided on your next car, before you have yeah. actually got to run out and go buy a car, we're getting there. And thank you for writing in. We really appreciate all that you've, yeah, you're doing do. for us. And we're uh, we're going through the list. We're going through people's uh, people's submissions here. So we really appreciate it. And uh, you know, before I forget, rating and reviewing this this podcast please. and the the car debate as a podcast as a whole. Rate and view us. Give us us some love Mm -hmm. there if you really like this. And if you're mowing the lawn or doing whatever, as uh, Jesse said, give us us a shout out. That really would help the podcast and help our ratings.
1: Definitely. It does every time. I mean, every time you guys, and you've been great about it, every time you guys are giving us a star rating or writing a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is you get podcasts from, you can do reviews there. It helps us climb in the ratings. We're watching the audience grow and spike when you guys do that, so please keep doing that. Of course, guess what? We started with video, and we continue to do video. These podcasts are every Tuesday. Our videos are every Thursday. That is new car reviews. It's comparisons like we've always done, and a lot of these fast blasts, which are some of these older cars we've always wanted to show you guys. We're getting mm-hmm. in those as well. We already – you and I were joking about this. We already have content in the can through almost Thanksgiving, already in the can. I am, I am swimming in footage. Much of which is spectacularly (laughs) gorgeous. So, we got a lot of stuff coming. If you don't subscribe yet, uh, please do. If you are subscribed, uh, tell a friend and do us a favor and turn off your ad blockers. That helps immensely as well. We are headed to Germany for this year's feature film. More to come on that in the coming weeks. Can't wait. uh, Can't wait. This This is a big, big year. We've got some fun track stuff coming. Long terms continuing with the Cayenne and also the FRS, including some drifty madness from that FRS, is coming soon as well. Lots of cool stuff in the pipeline. Thank you guys for being with us.